Welcome to the Yahoo Finance Presents podcast. I'm Alexis Christophorus. The startup investing app Acorns is growing up. The four-year-old app, which now has 3.7 million users, lets you round up your purchases, then it automatically invests that spare change. So that $3.75 cup of coffee gets rounded up to 4 bucks, and the $0.25 cents goes into your Acorns ETF account. Well, now Acorns is offering even more products to get people, especially millennials. And I'm so pleased to have Acorns CEO Noah Kerner joining me on this podcast. Hello, Noah. Hi, thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. So um, I know that you've recently made news. Uh, you have a bunch of money under assets now, don't you? We do. We're, we're, so today we're hitting a billion dollars, uh, which, which means everyday Americans saved and, and invested a billion dollars through Acorns. In the past four years. In the past four years, and but not talking, even four years. And, and you're talking about people's spare change here. That really does add up, doesn't it? Really it really adds up, and especially adds up over time, mm-hmm. um, which is why we're trying to get people investing as early as possible and as often as possible. And one of the things about the app that's powerful is because, so, so spare change is one of the ways you can contribute. You can also do an automated recurring investment, which is like $5 a day or $5 a week. You know, you set that and it just pulls it from your bank account and put, puts it into your Acorns account. But so you're, since you're contributing so regularly, when you come back to the app, you see the money grow and you're seeing it add up and it's sort of encouraging the saving and investing behavior that we want people to be engaging in. Right. Um, so it's a really nice motivator. Sort of like when you go to the gym and you start seeing the pounds shed. Exactly. Right? You go, okay, I'm doing something right. Yeah. Um, talk to me about fees. How does Acorns make its money and then and what are, I would imagine, through fees? We're a subscription business. Mm-hmm. So it's a dollar a month for the core investment account and you get automated investment investments, you get our found money program, which we've partnered with 250 brands like Zappos, Nike, Airbnb, Apple. When, you, when you're an Acorns customer, when you shop with those companies, they invest in your Acorns account as a reward for shopping. Um, you get automatic dividend reinvestment. You get Grow, which is our personal finance publications. You get all this stuff for a dollar a month. For $2 a month, you get all that plus Acorns Later, which is our automated retirement account. And then for $3 a month, you get all that plus Acorn Spend, which is the first debit card and checking account that saves and invests for you. Yeah, I want to talk about that debit card because, boy, oh, boy, talk about demand. Uh, I think you sold out of them in, what was it, four days? We did. We did. We pr- produced 100,000 of them because they're made of tungsten metal. So it's kind they of hard. They feel to, nice, I have they, to say. <laughs> they feel nice. It's hard to make them. Um, so we produced 100,000. We offered them for pre-order to all of our existing customers. And within four days, we sold out of all of them. And now we're at 175,000 pre-orders, which is really fantastic, we think, because this, again, is a checking account and debit card that saves and invests for you. And usually when you have a card, it reminds you to spend. Right. Our car- card is meant to remind you to save and invest when you spend. Are there any fees associated with holding the card? Do you have to pay for it? Is there an annual fee? It's $3 a month subscription. But again, that's for sp- the whole spend product, uh, later, Acorns Core, the whole investment account. So it's a bundled subscription price. Mm-hmm. And by the way, the reason we like subscription pricing, it's simple, it's transparent, and it's predictable. Mm. And when you think about the way people pay for things in financial services today, there's a lot of hidden fees. There's a lot of surprise NSF charges. There's minimum balance fees. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's asterisks and all this fine print and that all this kind of stuff. you can't see without your reading glasses. Yep. Right, right, right. right. Um, okay. So um, the debit card is one of the new products. Another new product you touched on it was um, for retirees. But I guess when you're a millennial, retirement seems just so far away. It does. Right? Yeah. And so we called it Acorns Later. 
So the idea is just save some money for later in life. Mm-hmm. Um, we did away with the word retirement. Uh, retirement. It just feels old. Mm-hmm. You know, when you think about younger people, a lot of young people today don't think about re- retiring. It's sort of like the do what you love, we work generation. Right. And then also a lot of people don't think they're going to be able to retire. So we try to make it more accessible. And then we made it really easy. So we, we select the, the account type for you so you don't have to sift through Roth and traditional and SEP and all this confusing stuff that I can't even keep track of. Right. Um, you don't have to pick a portfolio. You don't have to do anything. It's 60 seconds when you're an Acorns customer and you've got a retirement account and you're saving a little money for later in life. And, you know, it's something you really should do. And the reason you should do that, in addition to, to, to just a core investing account, is because you get tax benefits. Right. Uh, so, so, so the way this is set up, one would get a tax benefit with the money that they put away in this sort of nest egg? That's right. That's right. Excellent. So, yeah. Um, is there a minimum amount that someone needs to invest up front with Acorns? Nope. As little as $5. Okay. Uh, and, and you get going. I mean, that's another key part of it. You know, when you think about what are the frictions that stopped people in the past from doing it, I mean, first yeah. of all, it was really complicated. Where do you go? Can you invest with this small amount of money? How much is it going to cost me? What do I invest in? There's all these questions. And we talk about making big decisions small. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's really what we tried to do with, with investing is to make that big decision a small decision so every American is doing it. And, and if they're doing it, they're going to have a better life later. So I guess in keeping with your philosophy of keeping it simple, there are five investment portfolios, I guess, or, or ETFs that people's money can go into. Um, you said that you sort of choose which one for the customer. How do you do that? Uh, what criteria do you use? So during registration, we ask you a bunch of questions. What's your income? Uh, what's your net worth? How old are you? And through those, the answers to those questions, there's a basic al- algorithm that picks a portfolio for you. And um, now and if it, I wanted to be proactive and pick my own, do I have that option? You can change your portfolio inside the app. I and mean, we, we, we encourage people not to do that because we've selected it for specific reasons. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as, a, as, an, as an everyday person, and I, honestly, I put myself into that category, it's better to let this stuff happen the way it should happen. Um, the portfolios are, range from conservative to aggressive. Okay. So conservative is weighted toward bonds. Aggressive is weighted toward equity stocks. Mm-hmm. Um, and, that, and that's, you know, basically it. But there's a really nice, if you do want to change it, if you feel like, you know, it's too aggressive for you and you're feeling a little more conservative, mm-hmm. it's a simple swipe across um, the, the portfolio options, and boom, you have, you know, you've changed portfolios. It is a mobile app, started as a mobile app. I know you now have a web as well, but is mo- are most of the transactions, most of your customers using it as a mobile app? Yeah, yeah. The, the vast majority are using it through mobile, although web is, is important and growing. Mm-hmm. One of the reasons it's growing, um, so PayPal is our, is our biggest investor, and we just did an integration with them. Um, so if you sign up through the through, if you're on their desktop product mm-hmm. and, and you see an Acorns tile, and you can link your Acorns account to your PayPal account, so you can mo- monitor and manage your Acorns account from inside PayPal. Oh. So that's actually driving web app usage up for us. So you so if you pay using your PayPal account. Again, whatever money left over would get rounded up. Your purchase would get rounded up, and that money would get put into your Acorns account. Yeah, so you basically, as a PayPal customer, you've got an idle balance sitting there. So mm-hmm. the idea was let's let, let's let people put that balance to work because it's just sitting there. Right. By the way, there are a lot of balances sitting everywhere. Absolutely, earning very, very little interest. Er, earning, li- yeah, to, to none. If anything at yeah. all. Yeah, yeah. okay. Um, you have a... a a very a very eclectic group of investors. Uh, PayPal's great big corporation, but also in terms of uh, individuals, Ashton Kutcher. I think Bono was the latest to, to sign on. Um, what do these folks do for the brand aside from giving you some money? 
So Ashton is a good example, and so is Kevin Durant. I mean, they support mm-hmm. us. They, they they retweet things we send out. Ashton was on Stephen Colbert. He did a whole segment, and Stephen Colbert was asking him, you know, what are you doing on the investing front? And he brought up Acorns and tried to explain the spare change thing. <laughs> and then he got into some of the logistics of it. So Stephen Colbert was like, wait a second, I don't understand what you just said. Can you do that again? So right. he did it again. And that was actually our biggest— And you're sitting at home going, yes, yes. yes. Yeah, 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 because it wasn't planned. <laughs> um, but that was actually our biggest growth moment of, of our history. You saw like interest peak at yeah, that point. Yeah, I think wow. we, got, we got like 20,000 accounts that day. Wow. Um, so that's, The power of celebrity, I the, guess. The power of celebrity. And I think Ashton's a legit, you know, he's been investing for a long time. For he's sure. He's made a lot of good investments. Like he was really early in Uber and companies like that, Airbnb. Mm-hmm. So I think he's become a little bit of an authority there. So when he says something, I think it comes with, with, with more credibility than a typical celebrity might. Yeah. Now, over the past four years, um, you've seen your space get a little more crowded. And now you've got the big banks worried that smaller apps like yours are encroaching on their business. So you've got J.P. Morgan Chase out with something called Fin, uh, trying to do some of the things that Acorns does. Uh, do you see yourself maybe, dare we say, partnering with some of the big banks? I think anything is possible. And I, I mean, when you think about what we're trying to do, um, our goal and, and our vision is to build a financial wellness system that ensures every American is saving and investing regularly. So if we, if we you know, just like with PayPal, if, if, if being in other environments helps us accomplish that goal and helps us get more and more people saving and investing, then that, that, that's something we'll explore. Um, but we also have to have a values match because, mm-hmm. again, we, we, we're thinking about building the world's first financial wellness brand. And that means some clear things, you know, and we have clear values and a clear mission. So if somebody's charging things that aren't right and charging in ways and not being transparent and all these kinds of things and has a history of that, it's going to be very difficult for us to do business with that company. So there has to be that mission and alignment thing um, with PayPal who's all about financial inclusion. There was. BlackRock is our, one of our latest investors. Similar thing, Larry Fink you know, wrote that whole shareholder purpose, purpose shareholder letter, and I think they have a very clear sense of purpose and mission, and we, we, we aligned on those things, and so we, did, we were doing business together. Got to make sure you're all on the same page. Um, do, would you plan to offer or do you hear from customers that they want more investment choices? Or maybe they don't. Maybe they want less just to keep things super simple. So there's a mix. You know, I mean, people want things to be really simple. I think as you get more sophisticated and engaged, I mean, certainly young people are interested in buying stocks. They're interested in cryptocurrencies and things like this. You know, without being big brotherish, I mean, we're trying to get people to do the responsible thing. We're trying to get people to invest in diversified portfolios of ETFs. And that's the best way to invest for the long term. But people do have passions for things, right? They do, you know, are, people are interested in Tesla and they're interested in Facebook and they're interested in Snapchat. Um, I think if you're playing with money that you're okay losing, then, that, then, then that's okay. You may see us do something in this space that's novel, that brings together these two worlds. Mm. Um, Can you share anything about that with it's, us? It's still, it's still in the works. Okay. But, but, the, but the idea is with Acorns, responsible investing, right? It, you know, investing the right way, investing into diversified portfolios, mm-hmm. 7,000 stocks and bonds. But how can we... 7,000, you said? Yeah. Okay. But but we do ask the question, like, how can we tap into people's passion for things? Um, what, what about socially responsible investing? Is that a part of your plan at all or part of the mission? Not today. Not today. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, por- the portfolios um, that, that we have with BlackRock and Vanguard perform the best. And so that's what we're focused on today. Okay. Yeah. Um, how do you... I would imagine millennials are your core customer. Is that right? So it skews young, but okay. it's actually 18 to 98. Really? I mean, the unifying thing about Acorn, so we're geographically really well distributed across America, so we pretty much mapped to, to Census Bureau data. 
um, average income, just like average in American income, is mm -hmm. fifty to sixty thousand dollars. Okay. Um, so we're trying. You know, our thing is everyday Americans aspiring for more. Yeah. Um, we do skew younger, I think, because we're mobile first. I think you know partially because of the design. I think there's so various factors, um, which is good because mm -hmm. we're trying to get people invest saving and investing as early as possible. Now, how do you, in your experience, see millennials different from? prior generations when it comes to their approach to investing? Or you know what? Maybe they're not all that different. I think they are different in some fundamental ways, and it actually guides the way we think about building our business and our brand. So the way we think about our brand is this balance of heart and desire. And what that means is conscientiousness. Our first value is to lead with heart, so conscientiousness and purpose. This is something, this is a generation that's come up really caring about what companies stand for, what they believe in, what they do, walking the walk. Um, so, so the concept of heart for us is really important. And then desire is all about design and aesthetic and building something that's got that kind of cool factor to it, you know, that, that, that people want. And this generation came up as a highly visual generation mm -hmm. using products like Instagram. It's, you know, it's all about that stuff. Apple really pioneered the importance of design, I think, in, in, in the mainstream culture. So those two things, heart and desire, and it, it, the, the debit card is the perfect sort of example of how that comes to life for us. You know, th this is the first checking account and debit card that saves and invests for you. So it's got that kind of core purpose as its function. But it's also tungsten metal. It's, it's kind of iconic green. It's got a really beautiful, simple design, mm -hmm. and it feels good. So that's that balance of heart and desire that, that we talk about and think about. What about, because so, people would be doing so many transactions. I mean, ba basically, Acorns is seeing a lot of what you're doing on a daily basis with your purchases. What what are you doing to secure these transactions to make sure they're safe, which is such a big challenge for corporate America right now? Yes. I mean, so we just monitor the transactions. It's, there's no data risk there mm -hmm. for us. And as obviously, that's really important for us is to keep our customers incredibly secure. Uh, we've got 256-bit encryption and bank-level security and, and, and that sort of stuff. So, so are you a, collecting data on people and storing it or, or no? No, not storing it, just monitoring it. Okay. Yeah. When it came time to uh, come out with this debit card, when you, when you were discussing this with board members and what have you, um, why was the debit card the right way to go? You could have done a, a credit card. We see that millennials overall have sort of shunned things like Apple Pay, and I'm curious as to why that didn't take off. Your thoughts on why Apple Pay just didn't take off with that group, given that Apple products are so popular with them? Well, the credit card question is important. I mean, you know, people have accumulated a lot of debt with credit cards. And so that's something we want to avoid. Our, with a debit card, it's like spend what you have. Mm -hmm. And we want to really reinforce that message. It's not about borrowing. And when you, The other thing is the act of borrowing, typically, like the, 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 the NSF charges that get levied on people mm -hmm. um, are typically only needed, that the money's only needed for about three days, right? So mm -hmm. we may do something interesting there too, but, but, but really it's like, you know, the focus on debit card is to say, here's what you have, spend what you have. Um, so that's, that's important for us. Um, I think, you know, I think, I think eventually Apple Pay will take on. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, they've done a lot of great work. It's a really simple product. It's a great company. It's a great brand. But at the same time, it's not hard to just take something out of your pocket. Mm -hmm. you know, the card's right there. It's right in your pocket. It's right next to your phone. You know, so I, I, don't, I don't see... We haven't made that leap yet, I think, as Americans, right? Yeah. yeah. I don't see physical cards going away anytime soon. Okay. And there's a lot of infrastructure in place that, that, you know, that keeps that. But you, know, you go to a place like China and other countries, exactly. and it's moved there. So it, it, it's you know, all about it, the phone. Everything's yeah. on the phone. Yeah. Um, 
in addition to the products, education is a really important component for, for acorns. What are you doing in terms of trying to educate folks about responsible investing? So education is really important for us, and we built a whole product line around it, in fact. And it's as important to us as our invest product line, as our spend product line, as our earn product line. It's on the same level. Um, we recruited real journalists. That's really important to me is to have that kind of level of quality. Um, we brought Jennifer Barrett on board to be our editor-in-chief. She was the personal finance editor at CNBC and, 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 a, and a writer and editor from The Journal and Dow Jones. Then we have a whole network of contributors. So we're producing really high-quality content. But for us, is the question is, you know, how do you simplify it and make it really digestible so the average person like me can read it, um, and then hopefully the average person like me can retain it? You know, Are you the average person, Noah? Yeah, yeah. I'm actually <laughs> really, I'm, 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 I'm pretty simple. Like, like some of these concepts and things are have have classically been hard for me. Which, right. by the way, which is why I'm good at making things easy for people because it's hard for me. Right. So if it passes the Noah test, uh-huh. it's easy enough okay, for every, fair every enough. day. For... You actually have a very interesting background, and I just would like to talk for a moment about how you got to where you are. So Cornell University grad, grew up uh, in the East Village here in New York City. I too am born and bred in New York. Um, not from a not from a wealthy family no middle no. class family yeah, right yeah. um and then you got into music and you were DJing for Jennifer Lopez yeah <laughs> first of all how did that even happen well I was I was a hard I was always a hard worker so as a kid you know I started selling baseball cards when I was really young I feel I just I feel like I was born to work mm-hmm. like that's like a you know that's, that's a that's, good thing yeah it's the thing I'm best at <laughs> and I play to your strengths Right. So at 14, you know, I was I was also really passionate about hip hop culture growing up in New York City. Hip hop, you know, so I was like seven years old blasting Public Enemy on my, you know, my Walkman. <laughs> you were one of those. Kids. I was one of those kids. Um, but I got turntables when I was 14. I locked myself in my room every mm-hmm. day after school for two years to get good at it. I thought of it as, a, as an art form, not just as something where you're turning knobs and pumping your fists at a at a you you're know kind of ahead of your time a little M- bit. Maybe maybe. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, hip, in hip-hop culture, DJing was obviously a big thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and by 16, I started doing nightclubs all over the place. And so I was I was sort of, you know, like, a, like an enterprising thing for a kid. Absolutely. And then I started working with some bigger artists and Gen- the Jennifer Lopez thing. But this was like, for me, this was like a, the early part of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a little bit of a different life. But, it, you know, it was a prelude to getting into all the things I would do later. When I look back, like people ask, like, what did you learn from it? Right. Playing for 500 people, 5,000 people, I played in front of 50,000 people. One of the things that, that came out of that for me was this sort of intense connection to what moves people. Because, mm-hmm. you know, you've got people's attention, and if you put the wrong song on and or if you do something wrong, you know, you suddenly lose that energy. And, and so you it's, just, so qu- it's funny how quickly you can lose them, too, right? How, how quickly, you might have them for half an hour, and then boom. And then you can get them back. Mm-hmm. It's sort of classic marketing, yeah. but in a real-world sort of exper- you know, experimental space. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I learned that really young, you know, young but... But right away for me, uh, uh, senior year in college, I started working on a business plan for my first startup, which was the first hip hop portal, basically on the web. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I had, you know, I just had that, I had that bug. I started. Was that the, noise? No, this was actually called One Level. Oh, okay. Noise was twenty-five years old. It, noise was the first product development and marketing agency aimed at the young adult space. So we worked with everyone from Vice to Facebook to Intel to Chase. Mm-hmm. Um, and our our ambition was to make, you know better products for young people and to do better marketing for these kinds of products. So sort of, the, you know, the precursor a little bit to the Acorns thing is Chase was our, our longtime client. Ironically, you brought that up before. Right. Um, and we built in 2005 into 2006, we made the first credit card to reward responsibility rather than spending. 
Um, so they were in this the. This has cr- been a theme for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it has. And so, so the way that worked is instead of earning points when you spend, um, you'd earn points when you did positive things for yourself. So if you paid your bill off on time, if you paid your bill off on time six months in a row, if you pass a credit education quiz, that sort of stuff. It was called Chase Plus One. It mm-hmm. did pretty well. Actually, the first app on Facebook was Chase Plus One cardholders sharing oh, points incredible. with one another. First app on Facebook. Um, wow. so, so I just I, I had that bug to start things, and then and 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 through the agency, um, I worked in just about every category because um, we had clients in every category, and then was involved in WeWork pretty early on um, after the agency got acquired, and and then and then Acorns. Um, but it's it's always been curiosity, mm-hmm. passion, things I felt connected to, and then at a certain point, I hit this moment where I felt like I need to do something impactful. And I need to feel like I'm giving back. Mm-hmm. My father was the first corporate social responsibility officer. And it's in your blood. It is. And by the way, it was for a bank. So it was for a banker's trust company. Oh, that's nice. So I had really conscientious parents. So that was like sort of yeah. growing up around the dinner table, you know, this idea that you would do well and you would do good things. And he would invest the bank's money into philanthropic efforts and mm. commu- local community efforts. He built the 42nd Street Festival. Um, wow. And then he went to the non-for-profit world. But I sort of grew up with that DNA. Sure. And uh, and that that's the basis for everything I'm doing now and everything I'll I'll do going forward. Are you still involved with music at all? I'm on the board of VH1 Save the Music, which okay. is which is a great organization that puts music programs and instruments in schools mm-hmm. across America. Um, and and you know getting kids into music really early is not only fantastic creatively, but it's also formative for the brain and it, it's just, it's a great thing. So the aim, the aim is to get music education and programs into every school in America. Yeah, at a time um, when a lot of those programs are getting cut. Getting cut, uh, that's, funding's that's getting super cut. important. Yeah. Okay, well, Noah Kerner, the man born to work, thank you so much for joining me on this podcast. Thanks for having me, I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Yahoo Finance Presents podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and share this podcast and remember to subscribe so you never miss an episode.